Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We can just quit now. They're leaving today. They just couldn't handle it. New York, New York. Oh, pussies. (laughs) Welcome to I'ma Let You Finish. Pussies. Episode 24. Shut up. Really? Cool. Yes, it is. Dedicated to what this show is based on. New York. Being New Yorkers and our point of view and some shit. Yeah. And we have some things to discuss this week. So we're going to get through the the conventions and all of that shit happen. And you guys know we do a little bit of politics, but, you know, we're so annoyed by everything. And Amy and I both didn't really watch the conventions. We dipped in, watched certain speeches. But this is one of those elections, and I don't know if you feel this way, Amy. I'm kind of going in with the mask on my eyes and my face and just pushing the buttons I need to No, push. you know what? Yeah, it's like my dad used to say, hold your nose and pull the lever. Um, right. <laughs> let me tell you something. I didn't watch the convention. I didn't watch. I watched. I dipped in and in in the DNC. But to be honest with you, because of the interwebs, you can just watch it the next day, you right. know. Um it, I, they're preaching to the choir with that. I mean, you know, it's like, who cares? I did see a couple of the musical performances. It was, uh, common proving once again that he is the most aptly named rapper in the world. <laughs> God, he's like watching paint dry. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, um, I didn't watch the RNC because why? Why do I, you know, what am I going to, it's like, why would I watch it? I know exa- I saw the greatest hits. I know what happened. But let me just say this about Joe Biden. He is he was not my candidate, but I have absolutely no qualms about voting for him. I think Neither do I. None. None. The absolutely funny no thing about the, and the funny thing about him is he's been around for so long. He's actually one of those people who's been able to work across the aisle and people Republicans and Democrats have liked him. So it's very interesting to watch them suddenly be like, we don't like him. I'm like, but you did for like 40 years. <laughs> like, did well, I miss no, something? The, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I have no qualms. I haven't voted for somebody like, let me say something. I didn't vote for, it took me a minute to decide whether I was going to vote for Obama over Hillary. I wasn't like a done deal with that, right, you know. Right. I mean, I, on my way to the polling place, I remember, was like, hoping for a sign, like something would happen to make me switch my vote or decide who to vote. So, I mean, you know what? I'm not voting for a best friend. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm voting for someone who I think at this point, you know, my fucking cat could run the country. So I'm Well, what I tell everybody is the really important races too right now, everybody needs to, they need to flip the Senate. They need to flip the Senate and these smaller races. Honestly, really really what matters. matters. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That is matter. absolutely because I think Trump could win again. But if you flip that Senate and you have a, a, a Democratic-controlled Senate, you can kind of tamper down some of the fuckery that well, you know is going to come flying our way. Well, a lot people do that because they deliberately don't want to give somebody an, an uncontrolled. Anyway, the point is, is that, yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's it's on the level of abuse at this now. It's every single. And the lies and the madness and, and the sowing of the division. Anarchists, it's like you don't want to talk about people are in the streets because they feel like, well, fuck it. We die if we stay home and we're doing right. We die if we're in the streets no, doing wrong. So who, I, no, hold on, hold on. You can't say no. Because as a black person, I am telling you why people are still in these streets and why black people are in these streets. These are the conversations I have every day. We are fed up of being fed up we are tired we are exhausted and guess what it doesn't make a difference when we peacefully protest 
people were mad. When we took a knee, people were mad. When we talk about it, people are mad. So it doesn't matter what we do. And guess what? Now, black people, we're mad. We're over it. So to call people in the streets who are asking for an equal opportunity to live and thrive and grow, and if you get into trouble, be arrested, not be judge, jury in the streets and never even make it into a courtroom. We're exhausted. And that's why people are still in these streets. And I think watching it now being uh, put out there as anarchist and they just want to take your country from you. It's like, and then when, when somebody asks again to Trump about systemic racism, it's shitting that down like that doesn't exist. It's okay, like, that's, uh, that's not who I was referring to. Tom. No, but I'm just saying it's the whole thing. Right. It's that's the not, entire thing. That's it not who the, I was referring to, Tom. Yeah, but that's to not me, who I was referring to. Yes, but this is the point I'm making. Okay. And this is yeah. the point black people are making. And we're tired of everybody telling us other points. We've been saying the same thing forever. And no matter how we say it, it seems to be a problem. So if people are in the streets, it's because it does not matter how we've said it. it. We've asked nicely. We've asked not so nicely. They burn shit that no one seems to give a fuck. This election has so much riding on it. It really, really does. Because I do think the soul of this democracy and the soul of this country is on the line. It really is. And I'm afraid for it's, it's not just black people. I'm looking at Latinos, Asians. You better get in this fight. This is for everybody. It is for everybody. But the dirty secret is what nobody talks about is how in all of the minority groups, none of them want to be black. So there's that. That's it for my soapbox on this because it gets me really, it gets my blood so hot. It's just, I just, I can't believe in 2020, I'm 53 years old, and this conversation seems like it has not moved a fucking inch since I was little. It's crazy. I just, I just don't know what I, what else can we do? How many ways can you say it? How many ways can you stand up and say this is happening in our communities? And to have people be like, no, no, I don't, I don't really see that is the most frustrating thing on the planet, Amy. It really is. It's so, it makes you feel invisible in a country like I'm American. I love America. This is the only place I've ever lived. My parents are American. My father was born in New York. My mother was born in North Carolina, moved to New York as, as a young girl. It's like, this is the country we know, but it's crazy to love a country that does not love you back and love a country that you were born in. It's all you know. And you keep saying, this is happening to me. And people are looking at you saying, no, I don't see it. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. How are you? Happy Friday. I'm fine. It's just that I want to reiterate that I don't disagree with anything you say. I know you don't, but I just, I had to just get that out. No, it's, but it's I just want to reiter- I just yeah. want to make sure that people <laughs> listening to this, right. I, I painted with a brush that I, no, 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 I didn't, no, no, I do not no, no, disagree no, no, with no, anything no, no, you said. You did not see dump. You did not get painted with a brush. Okay. And don't take the, the statement I am making is a statement to the world. It is not a statement against you. Right. And I think that's another thing people have to do sometimes in this fight, take themselves out of it. We're talk- I'm talking about real shit, how I feel on a daily basis, the level of frustration that my nieces and nephews and my younger cousins are still dealing with the same shit I had to deal with and that our parents had to deal with and their parents had to deal with. And even when we stand up and say, why is this happening, to just See, this, this election is so divisive, and it's, it just feels personal to me on such a different level with the way people are speaking. I, I, I'm just flabbergasted by it all. But, no, I would never paint you with that brush. Listen, I know who you are. Anybody, first of all, for all of the people who are listening, she's the real deal. If you want, you want to know, when you talk about white people who are standing next to, to, to everybody in the fight for what's right, that is Amy Linden. I was about to call you Amy Deborah Linden. I don't know why what? I just made up. Deborah. I don't, I don't know why I made up a My middle name. You want to know, do you know, you want to know my middle name? I have a middle name. I never use it. Wait, do you actually, that's why yeah, I was making one up for you and you were Deborah. No, 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 no. Um, Elizabeth. My middle name's Elizabeth. Amy Elizabeth. That makes sense. I never, I never, I literally never, 
I have, in fact, when I graduated from college, because my official records say Amy E. Linden, and then uh -huh. I would always just go by Amy Linden, and I have right. two diplomas, one for Amy E. Linden and one for Amy Linden. <laughs> I have no idea why. Uh, of course. I, I only put Elizabeth <laughs> for, like, official documents, like, right. I'm always afraid, like, when you get to the passport office, and they're going to go, uh -huh. oh, I'm sorry. You're not You're Amy Elizabeth. I'm like, let me out of the country, please. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I'm Amy Elizabeth. Nobody, nobody calls you Liz? God fucking no. No, 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 no. God fucking no. I can barely no. stand Amy. God, I hate no. my name. Yeah, but no, I didn't want to make you feel like I painted you with a brush. Because I no, know no, I no, cut, you off. I know I cut you off swiftly at that moment. Yeah. It's no, just no. my, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm it's just, such a I'm sensitive just, topic. You know? I am actually very tired as a white person of a certain type of white person coming in and hijacking this thing. Right. And it's like, you know what, like, I'm all for being in the streets. I've been in the streets on this and other things, not every single day, obviously, but, and I admire it and I am heartened by it and I am encouraged by it when I hear the sound of people. I just, you know, when you're like fucking blowing up the McDonald's, it's like, come on, man. Yeah, I'm not at home. Focus I, your yeah. energy. And that's what I was that, talking about. That's my thing, too, because I'm like, don't. Because you're fucking I, it up for people who are doing the good work. And I understand, but I also understand that rage, too. I get oh, it. Oh, yeah. I understand I, it. I completely understand that rage where you're just like, this country, everything in this country is built on violence. So when yeah. it comes back to violence, I'm not surprised. But when I look and I say, okay, so you burnt on all these things in your neighborhood that was already underserved because you're angry. I absolutely get the anger. But... When you do it in the name of somebody who was killed and the family is not down for that, it's like, right. we're trying to move this shit forward. I don't care. Looting fucking Celine, how does that move anything forward? But then I also realize those are motherfuckers who show up when there's real shit, you know? When did the looting stop? When the night when they decided, oh, why don't we close all of the bridges for people trying to come in from other places? And when they did that, Suddenly there was no looting because it wasn't the people in Manhattan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It wasn't. It was coming from other places to take advantage of a moment. Right. Well, the thugs on the planes dressed all in black, the dark shadows. <laughs> Barnaby Collins. I knew there was a reason. I knew there was a reason my mother wouldn't let me watch Dark Shadows when I was a kid. She literally, seriously, wouldn't let me watch it. And I would like go to my neighbor's house and like, can I watch Dark right. Shadows at right. your house? So now and, I know. My mother right. was, uh, was, was she was a part prophet. of that. Right. Don't you love it? It's always like, well, well, I can't talk about it because it, it's like, well, you can't talk about the thing you just made up and that you're but lying also, about. As a New Yorker, <laughs> I am just so tired of wearing black being seen as a bad thing. Right. Please. Right. We wear black because we live in a filthy city and we want to look clean at all Hello. times. <laughs> Um, my motto for getting dressed has always been, is it clean, is it black, is it close to the bed? <laughs> Mine is always like, does it go with my flip-flops? Really? And, and during the quarantine, is it clean? Didn't even right. matter. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Worn it six days in a row? Oh, well. My favorite part about the quarantine is my underwear drawer stayed full. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I went to do laundry, it was like, oh, no underwear in there. I have lipstick <laughs> that will last me for a thousand years. <laughs> I will never put it on again. Did you get your haircut? I knew you were trying no, to get a haircut. No, let's not even talk about the haircut, please. <laughs> let's not even talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it. It's, it's making me really depressed. I don't even want to talk. And I have amazing hair, so it's not like I got you shitty hair. No, I you have great hair. hair. I have the Hungarian hair, but it's just pissing me off, and I don't even want to talk about it. This is the year the quarantine has taught me that, and I'm not a high-maintenance chick at all. I did get right. my toes done, though, so that's made yeah. me happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've given up. No one's going to see me again, Courtney. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Yeah. No, no, here's the thing. When you come out in 2021, at some yeah. point, yeah. <laughs> you're going to have a new hairdo and done yeah. clothes. <laughs> I'll come out. I'll come out like I'll, I'll come out as, uh, I don't know. I was going to make a really good segue <laughs> into something, but yeah, if people go, who is that? Like I'll be one of the mole people who've been right. inside and whatever. No, I've not gotten my hair done. Don't bring it up. It's going to depress me. Well. Can we talk about, can we talk about the thing? So evidently, evidently, and I did not know this, but evidently we're dead. We're dead? 
Oh, You're yeah, dead. New York, yeah. <laughs> All right, Ever, so... Evidently, we have died a slow death on the vine. Yeah, well... By okay. people who always start the article with, when I first moved to New York... <laughs> well, no, I think... Okay, so here's the thing. There have been a series of articles. The first article was... Um, an op-ed piece in the New York Post, so right off the bat you have to be suspicious, <laughs> but an op-ed piece in the New York Post by a guy I've never heard of, but I guess he's a big muckety-muck somewhere, and he owns a comedy club, and, you oh, know. Oh, he used to be a hedge fund, a hedge right. fund guy yeah. so who moved to New York rich, in the 80s. He's a rich white guy. Yeah. Um, all right, so the piece was all seriousness. The piece was sort of like, you know, certain elements of New York are have been severely impacted by the pandemic, which we know, the pandemic and the resulting economic issues. So we know that. But his thesis was, and because they have been impacted, we're dead. That was then followed up by a woman. And and, and a lot of the points he made were valid. Yes, culture's fucked. Yes, restaurants are fucked. We know that. We don't have to go. We're aware of that. And these are industries that may not come back in many ways. Then that was followed up by a woman in Brooklyn a young black woman who basically wrote, who the fuck are you to tell me my city said? <laughs> Which her, was, I loved hers. <laughs> yeah, hers was good. And her vibe basically was New York is more than a museum and a restaurant, which is Absolutely. also true. Which is also true. And then Jerry Seinfeld, who is a New Yorker, but mm-hmm. a very rich New Yorker, obviously, mm-hmm. wrote an op-ed piece in the Times basically taking the initial guy to task and kind of trashing his comedy club, too, which was sort of a little nice <laughs> bit of shade in there. And, you know, so this happens. You know and I know that this happens cyclic, cyclically in New York. Something will happen, and everybody's like, oh, my God, New York's over. Yeah. So some of the points are valid. I mean, it is weird to live in a city known for certain things, and those things aren't happening. And the economics of this, I mean, we're going to get through the pandemic, the quarantine. We're going to get through that. I mean, mm-hmm. I have no doubt on my mind. But, I mean, there's going to be a vaccine in a month. Don't you? Haven't you heard? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Every place is, is right now is impacted by the pandemic. So when yeah. I hear people say that, I'm like, oh, these things won't recover. Absolutely, unfortunately, there are, there are restaurants and small businesses that won't recover. Yeah. But. Restaurants will come back. Movie theaters will come back. The museums will come back. They're Shows coming back. back. They're opening uh, yeah. up the museums. Yeah. I think that everybody has to realize it's a fucking pandemic. Yeah. This is some unusual shit. Most of us were not alive the last time this happened in 1918. No, we so were not. absolutely calm the fuck down and understand that it's going to be uncomfortable. But I also find that people these days have no energy for being uncomfortable. As soon as they're uncomfortable, the world's ending, everything is bad. All right, so you have to sit down for a minute. I'm sorry you can't travel the way you normally like to travel. I like to eat in restaurants too. I'm sorry that right now we can't eat inside. I'm, I hate it for my friends who work in the restaurant industry. I have a lot of friends who are DJs and not just the big ones who get to travel around the world. They're local DJs and all of their gigs are in New York. They've not had gigs in months. There's not going to be gigs for them in months. There are a lot of people who are absolutely affected. But the one thing that I know is New Yorkers, true New Yorkers, we are helping each other, we hold each other up, and we fight through this rough patch because the only way to get through it is together. It sucks, but we got to fucking help each other out. So when I hear all of these people fleeing, and they're like, all the rich people, oh, I can't be stacked in the city, and they all rent these houses, they're all out of Long Island, or they're going going to Connecticut or they've gone to their other houses. And I'm like, you know what? You're the motherfuckers who came here and drove up our market and come into these neighborhoods and all of a sudden all of the restaurants you love have pushed out the little mom and pops and now you're like, none of it can survive. It's like, guess what? Well, some of this shit wasn't sustainable. And I really do think we need to think and talk about the cost of living in all of these cities because New York's not the only one. San Francisco's having that problem. They're really, really expensive. It is ridiculous to fucking live here. And then when you see, it's interesting when you see their, their, um, affordable housing plans, the list of requirements to even get in to these new buildings that are built in affordable housing for New York, it's like, 
it's not good for if you're a lower income New Yorker and most of them can't even meet the requirements. So it's like a bunch of middle class people being able to afford these apartments. It's not even a real system. Like I saw the lease of one of those shit. It was like it was 30 pages long. Like my lease is like a regular fucking New York City lease. It's two pages. It's crazy. That is true. I will say that I think there's valid, I think there's two issues going on. I think that there's the sort of uh, point of pride that New Yorkers and most big cities take, you know, Boston strong, New York strong. I think there is that element, that sort of knee-jerk reaction we have as people who live in a city that up until 9-11 was viewed as like, the enemy of the United States. Once we got bombed, then everybody liked us, you know, but right, up until right, then they right. were willing to let us go float out into the ocean as long as we just had the Lion King and shit like that. I, right. I like, they, right. They hate us for that. They hate us for everything. It's like, well, I come to go to Broadway, we go shopping. I'm like, yeah, you don't hate that portion of our show. So I think that there's that element of it that, you know, when you tell somebody they're fucking bad, the, the normal reaction is people go, no, I'm not. I'm going to fight you on that. No, I'm not. So there's that thing, which is cool, and that's the New York spirit and blah, blah, blah. The other thing is there is a real sort of reality. There is a zeitgeist shift in that things, you know, people move to New York to work in jobs. Well, those jobs now are all going to be remote for a time being. So office space is empty. So, And we did overbuild. And we have way too many ghost apartments. And yep. we have way too many foreign investments. But there has been a shift. I think once the cultural institutions open up, because that is what we are really you know, identified with in the sense that what makes us sort of a great city of the world. I think once that opens up, I mean, well, I'm not, opened up, but you know, right now they're like a 25% capacity. Good. <laughs> I'd like to be able to actually see right. the painting that I came that, there to see. You know, I, I I'm not mad friend, at that. Right. I said to a friend the other day, I said, honestly, the one thing I'm not angry about is I feel like this is the first time in my fucking life that there's no tourists here. We're getting the city I, we would like to have. I, like, and people don't understand if you're not from New York. Like, they're different. like Miami, okay, Miami has a tourist season. When it is cold, when it's like from October through March, April, when it's cold everywhere else, that's Miami's on season. New York never has an off season. You have people who come in the summer because it's summer in New York. You have people who come in the fall and they want to see the Broadway shows fall. You have people who come in the winter because then it's Rockefeller Center and the Christmas lights and the Christmas. We never get a break. Every time of the year is a tourist season. And this is the first time I feel like I'm not walking outside and there's not groups of people walking up and down the street to go to Abyssinian Church on Sunday or 30 people on a bike riding tour of Harlem. There's no tourists. And it kind of feels like... And with all of those other rich motherfuckers who are like, we can't stay in the city. We're going out to our country house. It just feels like it's the true New Yorkers in the city toughing it out. I'm not like begrudging anybody. I, I can't I'm not either. It's, it's, it's not a, <laughs> yeah. No, it's not a begrudgment. But it's funny how you see who's tough because as soon as shit got shaky, a lot of people fled. And, and a lot of other motherfuckers were like, this is our home. I'm not fleeing my home. I'm going to figure this shit out. Yeah, I mean, I, I am there. I haven't really been anywhere, but I am happy that um, the city will be less touristy. But again, it's a double-edged sword. Those people brought a tremendous amount of revenue into the city. This city is broke again, and we have a federal government that wants to keep us broke. So that's yeah. it's a it's a real double-edged sword. I think I think what the editorials we're speaking to though, like I said, is the, is is there's an economic reality and then there's an emotional reality. The yep. economic reality is that we're screwed for a long period of time, as are many places. Nashville is screwed. Miami is screwed. They just canceled Art Basel. Um, L.A. is screwed. I mean, the film industry is in trouble. So there's the economic reality. You see that, you which see is, that they just went back to shooting the Batman and Robert Pattinson tested positive for COVID and it just completely shut down production. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's an economic reality, yeah. right? But the economic reality is very different from the emotional reality. The emotional reality is, it's, it's sort of like, not that they're comparable, but it's like after 9-11, there was the economic reality, but then there was the emotional reality of feeling like your home had been attacked and we made our way back. This is going to be more complicated because this is tied in with a, a recession. I mean, that's, that's the problem. And a lot of things that we have as New Yorkers to generate income are just simply not going to come back. I mean, this is just a horrible reality. They're not going to come back. I mean, a restaurant is one of the hardest businesses to maintain. And a lot of them are not going to come back. And a lot of retail, the irony is we always say, oh, these big box stores are driving out the mom and pop. Well, guess who's not going to come back? The mom and pop, you know. A lot of yoga studios and Pilates studios are not going to come back. They're still not allowed to open. The right. yoga and the gyms are so Crunch will be fine, but the the yoga and Pilates studios, which ironically many of which are owned by women and owned by women of color, they can't yep. open. You know, so yeah, I don't feel like New York is done, but I do feel like something has been lost, but I don't think it's time, you know, I've always wanted to get out of New York, to be honest with you, for many reasons, but I am very proud of New Yorkers that for a month we've been under a 1% positivity rate, so yay for us, you know? So I think, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. I mean, we're going to feel it in a lot of ways, but... See, I I have a more of an optimistic approach, and I always do, because I'm just one of those glass half-full people. I do think that it's really hard, and I think there are a lot of businesses that will close. But I also have seen and I am seeing a lot of people in their homes starting new businesses. And I do think we will bounce back because like 9-11, people thought nothing will ever be the same. And the way we go through airports is different, but we did come back. Yes, this has been a bruising, bruising time. And we've gotten a lot of blows, man. We've been hitting the gut a couple of times. But we will come back. Restaurants will come back. Everything will eventually come back. You'll eventually be able to go dance and you'll eventually be able to go in a bar. We just can't predict when. So it's everything you see seems to be like, will these things come back? Will it ever be the same? It's like life comes in cycles. You go it'll through some longer. shit. Yeah, it, it'll take longer. It'll take longer. It'll take longer. I think there's more. We're dealing, you know, like I said, this isn't a, the, the good thing is not a good thing, but it's not a New York problem. So it's not something we did. You know, we, and it's the world. It's a worldwide problem. Yeah, it's yeah. like I knew people, uh, some, some of my European friends who were overseas and going to Mykonos and Mykonos was open and then boom, they started having another breakout and everything shut down. Like Ibiza never opened the giant clubs this season. It's like, so it is around the world that people are having these same conversations. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to take a while, but Things will come back. What I hate is seeing small businesses that got no rent relief, um, yeah. no no fund to really help them, and you know that with all of the back rent, especially with these New York commercial rents, they just it's fiscally impossible for them to open and even make that money up and try to run and and play employees. And I want employees to get fifteen dollars an hour, so I'm not going to say pay people less less because I do believe people need to earn a living wage. So how do you do it? And and be financially responsible? I, I don't know. I don't have that answer. But I think, like you, like me, like all of our friends, because we know a lot of people who are freelance people and, and independent contractors, especially in the writing and entertainment field, and we don't have the answers. I just say one foot in front of the other each day as they come, and you take each battle as it's in front of you, and you fight these small battles so that you can win the war. There is no magic answer to how to solve it, but I don't think New York is dead. Do I think New York right now culturally is at a shift? Absolutely. But do I also know that a lot of things are bubbling underground and people are being creative, and creative people are out there doing a lot of really interesting stuff? They absolutely are. So, and, you know, I still would rather be here than, you know, not to diss anybody in Des Moines, but it's like I don't want to be there. So if I, if I have to take my choice of the two, it's here. And I know a lot of people have moved to L.A. I personally, I like California, but I don't love California for me to live. Yeah, I like California. I don't know if I'd want to live there because I'd have to learn how to drive. 
I mean, I know how to drive. Yeah. I'd have to yeah, actually yeah, yeah, get yeah. a driver's license. Right. Yeah, I, like I said, I think it's a it's a it's a multifaceted thing. I think I think our reaction to these articles are more the kind of like "fuck you, don't tell me what to do." Very New York. Yeah. That's the fucking opinion you can have. Like, I can say where it's like, I can say shit about my mother. You can't say anything. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I I, I get mad at New York. They shut everything that I love is gone. Like, all of the spots that I've gone to for years, none of them are here, which is crazy. Like, not one, Amy. Not one of the bars I used to go to as a young gay man is here. A lot of the restaurants that we used to go to, not one of them is here, which is sad. Because, you know, I'm like, damn, we don't preserve anything. We'll be like, rip that shit down and put up this glass thing that nobody I know lives in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, like I said, I mean, there's a whole, it's a whole other conversation in a way, but there's like so many, but it's also, there's just, there is a change going on. Things are different. People are learning in a different way. People are telecommuting in a different way. People are traveling. So there is going to be, we're, we're having to, through no fault of our own, having to make so many adjustments. We're having to learn how to travel in a different way. We're having yep. to learn how to learn in a different way, how to shop in a different way, how to eat in a different way. So it's, I mean, it's a lot, but no, the city's not going to go. I mean, for fuck's sake, cities have been, wor- you know, wiped out by volcanoes and earthquakes and tornadoes and come back. Absolutely. You know, I think like in the scheme of things, Beirut is in worse shape than we are right now because they got what literally wiped off the face of the earth. So, I don't know. It'll be okay. And as long as Jerry Seinfeld, an incredibly rich, apolitical white man, says it's going to be okay, I will from, sleep well at night. No, pound in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, and a million cars. But I did like the fact that he was the one who wrote it. I mean, that's yeah. the guy who needed to write it. You needed Absolutely. to have, like, that guy write it. You know, a man known for, a man known for nothing in terms of, like, <laughs> politics or lifestyle or anything. Let him write it. And he annoying was, his neighbors when he was building a custom big old garage. Remember when he was building that garage for all of his custom cars and no. all of the, you know. And where does he live? I think he lives on the Upper West or something. He and, seems like an Upper West Side guy. And, he seems like a West Side guy. And he built, some, he built some custom garage for his cars. And, you know, people like, it's so, you know, especially people in certain neighborhoods. It's like, it's so noisy and disruptive. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be okay. I mean, it's going to be a minute, but we'll be okay. You know? We'll be okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all right. Can we talk about the latest uh, white lady who was posing as a not white lady? And You know, Courtney, and, had I known it was that easy to get away with, I could have. What was I wasting my time actually being I white mean, all these years? I mean, you, God, I'll freaking mighty. <laughs> I mean, really, had I known, all I had to do was pierce my nose and get some man tan, and I could have gotten away with it. Because I'm looking at like, you got to teach at this college and all these schools, and meanwhile, (laughs) only thing you needed to do was come in and say that you were something else, and you would have been the head of a department. (laughs) No, how about (laughs) the fact that... You get a major university. Yeah, how about the fact that I worked in black music for years? Could you imagine the advances I could make? (laughs) Oh my God! I'm, I'd be running Motown right now. No, I mean Jessica A. Ahead. No, she wasn't posing. It's not only that she was posing as black; it's even worse. So she was posing as Latino. Afro, Afro, Latino. One of so the this, most discriminated against right. groups. So, so in case you go, guys don't, well, hold on, let's tell them who we're talking. So in case you guys don't know, this woman yeah. Jessica A. Krug. Uh, <laughs> she's who, bad for the Jew. Bad for the who, Jews. Who was a professor at George Washington University. George Washington, yeah. Has outed herself as... Well, because she was about to get outed. Yeah. She's outed herself um, as a fraud. Again, we've seen this with Rachel Dolezal. And I can't remember the gentleman's name. It was another professor, the black professor who died suddenly over the summer... Maybe in yeah, July. His, his name was just in the internet. Something yeah, with a C. Something Hermosa. Something. Something. Yeah, something and, like that. And he had this whole backstory of who he was, and th- he wrote books, and he was like one of the leading guys in his field talking about Afro-Latino studies. And when he died, and his sister was like, he was black and from Detroit. Everybody feels betrayed. And once again, here we like what is 
I need someone. I'm black, so I can't understand. Maybe you can help me understand. I'm not black. Well, no, that's just what I'm saying. But all of these people who are doing it, like this chick, what? What, and like a Rachel Dolezal, like I just don't understand what that is. Because like okay. being black in this country is like we fight for fucking everything. It's like you're willingly trying to say, let me do this, and I, I just like what is that concept? I think there's several things going on. First off, you know when black people, when light skinned black people used to pass as white, it was for mm-hmm. acceptance, and you know, because let's be re- realistic. I mean, people they would not get hired, they would not be in certain fields. So if you were like very, very light-skinned. I think what's going on is that there's this weird convergence between, look, if she had been exactly who she was academically, right? If she had mm-hmm. been just as intelligent, just as um, honored, just in everything, and se- and was just a white woman, a white Jewish woman, if she had the goods, I don't think anybody would have had a problem with her. The right. problem was is that she started almost making um, – like a stereotype of it. I mean, she was also Absolutely. a salsa singer. You can be a white girl who Wait, loves salsa. She was a salsa singer or dancer. I don't know something <laughs> crazy. The thing is, you can be a white person Sorry, and yeah. love black culture. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. And you can be a white person and write extensively about black or Latina culture. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is when you're passing yourself off as Latino or black to get financial reward. And that's well, and what then, she was well, doing. And, and then striking out at other people saying they're not black and Latino enough. Like, what did she say yeah. about AOC's not really from the Bronx? She's not this. She's, then you read the story. There are people who said that she was questioning their blackness and all yeah. of this kind of shit. It's like, wow. we Just like the dude, the, that other dude. I wish I could remember his name. I was trying to find the article. But, um, he was another one who was, you know, always pointing at somebody else's shit and trying to tell them what they are or aren't. And it's like, when you see these frauds, it's just like... Well, it's fraud. Wow. I mean, the thing is... It, it's it's, it's straight-up fraud. It really it's is. It's straight-up fraud. I mean, the unfortunate thing is it's fraud. Um, it's just like somebody who poses as a doctor who's never went to medical school. The problem is, is that it's fraud, but it plays into the absolute worst stereotype. It picks at a societal... Um, it just plays into stereotypes and it becomes this sort of like mocking of what it means to be black or Latino or any ethnicity. I, there is nothing wrong. I have never had anybody in all the years I was involved in black music say to me, oh, you can't write about this because you're not black. Because I was never pretending to be black. Right. You know, I never went into a meeting with kente cloth on. Or, you know, like fucking, you know, I was a white girl who had a white kid. It was like, whatever. Nobody gave a fuck. The no, you want to know why? Because when you opened your mouth, you knew what you were, you weren't trying to be anything other than you were. Yeah. But you, you actually had a genuine love and appreciation for the art form and the music. And you fucking knew what you were talking about. Well, like I said, the, the really fucked up thing with this woman is that she was educated and knew what she was talking about, whatever, but she was getting grants for Latino writers. Yep. Yep. So she's taking money away, first off, from people mm. who she's jumping the line from someone who might actually need, because how many grants are, are female Latino writers getting? Not a hell of a lot. You know what I mean? Right. How many right. black or Latino women are in publishing? Not a hell of a lot. So that's just the screwed up thing. I mean, it's screwed up on so many different levels, and it's creepy and weird and almost like she wants to wear their skin, and it's like you can't be authentic unless you're – If she, she could have been everything she's doing, but it's the fact that she literally was playing into this awful stereotype, and as a representative of white people and Jewish people, we rebuke her. <laughs> God of yep. hell, like, you ever seen the documentary about Rachel Dozil, by the way? It made me really sad, and not it about her. It was sad, her. right? It, it was it, really sad. And you know what it was sad to me? It was her, her brother kids. that she adopted and her son. Kids. And I, I, felt thought so about, bad. I thought about it last night. There was one scene that broke my heart. When she, yeah. she takes the boys to the barber shop. Do you remember yes. that scene? Yes. And the barber comes out, and he's like, move your fucking car. I don't want you in front of my shop. So she has to move the car. And then right. the boys come out like, Five minutes later, and they get in the car, and their haircuts are fucked up. Yeah. And I and yeah. I realized at that moment, like, the hairline was crooked, and I was like, wow. Because yeah. they hate her 
those guys just didn't give a shit about these two young black men who have nothing to do with this woman's bullshit. He cannot help that that's his mother. And she adopted her brother from the parents of the black brother. Yeah, yeah, and, right. And, 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 you know, the scene where she takes him to Howard, because remember she went to Howard, and she's posting and shows him, like, we're at Howard, and everybody's, like, cursing him out. And didn't he leave at the end? He, one of them went to Europe. I wonder, I, I wondered last the night. What, the, yeah. the, the son slash brother. And I wondered last night what happened to that younger son. It's a really good documentary. Yeah. It actually made me... I mean, she has ish, more issues than a magazine, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I remember he had the son asked him, why It made me feel sort of sorry for her for a while, no, you know? I, no, I didn't. Because the pivotal moment was when her son, who was really going through it, and he was like, why do you keep doing this? Right, and she, right. And, and she was just like, I, can't, I just, I can't stop, essentially. And he's, you see the trauma on his... He was wearing no, it. No, it was and bad. I was, and I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm scared for him. Because be I this, see the pain. I see it in him. There used to be this publicist, who I will tell you who it is when we're off mic, who, um, yeah, it was great. Oh, man. Um, she used to tell people she was Dominican and had, like, nails and the head wrap. And she was not Dominican, trust me. I guess she decided she couldn't pull off black, so she'd go, like, into, like, for a minute. I think I told you this for a minute. Like, there was a writer who will also go on name who made some crack about that I had no cultural right to write about mm. black music. So I was mm-hmm. like, um, all right, that, I'm yeah. going to be Venezuelan. I'm just going to tell people I'm Venezuelan, <laughs> which I never did, actually. Right. But it just became a joke because right. I was like, oh, fuck you. You know, like right. literally, fuck you. But anyway, I'll tell you who it is when we're off mic. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> anyway. So uh, can we talk about uh, the monumental uh, Chadwick Boseman? Oh, oh that's, let's make it a little more serious segue. All right, yeah, hold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. bring down our energy a little bit because yeah, yeah, we yeah, were yeah, just yeah. trashing. Right. Okay. All right. You know, because I want to go from, from that low to something. I have to say, the reaction to his death, I, I, I didn't expect it Me to neither. be what it was. Me neither. And I was actually happy to see it. Because you don't realize how much of an impact somebody's made, you know, yeah. really. A lot of times you got to give people their flowers while they're here. I mean, the impact, the children were really upset. And yeah. just to watch the media coverage, the way people really reacted, let me know just how much, you know, it's a, you think it's a movie, right? But representation counts so much that to see the reaction to him, I was actually kind of shocked. But it actually made me really happy because that means he really left a really strong legacy. And I think that young black kids will watch Black Panther for generations and it will mean something to them. Well, a legacy with a remarkably small catalog when you right. think about it, too. Right. I mean, I, you know, I. Well, was first on all, Law and Order. Bing, bing. What? I said he was on a law and order. You know what I'm saying? Okay, good. Thank God. Um, um, I just always found him to be just so compelling. First off, he was right. a remarkably good-looking guy, just on a completely ridiculous. He was just always compelling. He was always the guy your eyes went to. And, and I mean, I used to sort of joke around, like, is he going to play, like, every famous black person in the world? <laughs> like, oh, my God, we're running out of, you know. But there was something really that he took those roles because he was willing to lose himself that much. And, and, to, and to do, I mean, to do James Brown, talk about somebody who is, you know, who is iconic. It's, you know, yeah. um, I just thought he was great. He was actually a really good singer in real life. He didn't do the singing in James Brown, but he, I heard him on some, sh- afterwards, some show, and he was a really, really good singer. And of course, then again, the sense that he was going through all of this while being sick, well, just on a physical level, you're like, holy moly. But I also think it's, it's nice in this day and age to see a celebrity who lets the work speak for itself and doesn't try to be a social media magnet. Not that he wasn't doing incredible things, but, and it's obviously tragic what happened. And I too was very heartened by the response, but it's, it's almost good to know that like people can live lives. I just thought everything about him just screamed out class and dignity and, and, 
So he was, um, I mean, it's a great loss on so many levels. It's a great loss on a, on a talent level, but it's a great loss, it seems, as a person. On a humanitarian level. Yeah, he because seemed he's, like a great person. You know? And he also seemed like someone who cared and he walked his walk, right? Oh, for you sure. Know, and now when you look back and you see all of the sick children that he would visit and how happy they were, and at that same time going to see those children, he was silently battling this disease. It yeah. just makes it that much more remarkable that he gave up himself at a time where, like, my father had colon cancer, and it killed my father. And I know what that did to my father. I yeah. I watched what that did. And it is, let me just tell you, it's a really ugly disease. And the way your body breaks, like, my father's body broke down in ways that I just didn't even know was possible. So it's a really, really terrible yeah. thing and painful. So to see him, you know, first of all, the physicality that it takes to make a regular movie, let alone a superhero movie. And then when you're off going around and taking your time to go to children's hospitals, like one of his friends, I saw him on, on a, do an interview recently. And he said, you know, the last time he spoke to Chadwick, Chadwick was talking to him about sick children, not about himself. You know what I mean? About others, still being selfless about others. And to me, that's a lesson we can all learn when you really talk about selflessness because i know a lot of people think that they have a selflessness in them but you don't know until you're really tested what you're truly truly made well if you think you're selfless you probably aren't because you're talking about how humble you are you should not tell people you're humble (laughs) don't you love those as soon as you say you're humble you're like ding 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 you're not humble don't you love people like that it's like you know because i and i and i'm like, like why don't you say one more humble. i yeah, you're not humble. <laughs> if you told me you're humble you're not humble like, He's my- a, like big up uh, for chadwick and i also want to say a big up big up for uh uh we lost a member of our you know back when i worked at columbia records i really do think that it was the last generation of Columbia being like a family. It was under Diney. We were all, it was a, it was a special team for a lot, a lot of years. And one of, one of our team members, Lisa Yvette Linder, Lisa was a great, great, great woman. She was funny. She was sassy. Lisa was kind of like abroad in the best sense of the word and really, 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 really cool. And she passed away this week and it's devastating. You know, she passed away from COVID and it's devastating because this disease is still out there killing people and, you know, and I and she was 50 fucking years old. And when I hear that, and then I see the rhetoric on the television and stuff, and I'm just like, tell people the truth, man. People are really dying. And it's like, I know you, everybody wants to make everything political, but it's like, it's not political when your friend is dying and being cremated within 24 hours. Yeah. It's, it's, it's reality. And this is just one more. It's like, I feel like I have this tallying list. And then I've had, I had this, I had this, person say to me the other day well you know a lot of people die from the flu i said do you know any actually because, I yeah i mean yeah i mean you may but i don't i don't know anybody who died, and that person didn't know anybody who died from the flu but if you ask me do i know anybody who died from covid i have a list and it's not that oh we don't know if they had it no i have a list of people we know died from it so it's fucked up and we need to wear your mask wash your hands don't make everything political. Let's protect each other because this shit's out here taking us out. And I, quite honestly, Amy, I don't want any more phone calls that anybody has died. I just don't anymore for 2020. I like, can we just be done? I, I need that portion of this to be done because it's when it, it reminds me of the days of the eight when AIDS was really the, the, the crisis was just out of control and it got to the point where you couldn't even react to anybody dying anymore, even if they were super close to you, because so many were dying day after day that it was just like, I was like a walking zombie. You know, too much, too much. I just want to mention two more dead people. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I love this show, kids. It's like too much. And by the way, you know who else is dead? I just want to mention Two more dead people, which Mm -hmm. which touch into both of ours two favorite in New York, in New York, and New York. One is Walter Lurie, who may not be a household name to people, but he was a quintessential New York musician. He was in Johnny Thunder's Heartbreakers. Um, 
you know, downtown New York punk band, one of the great bands. Great regret of mine is I never saw them, but I was a big fan of theirs. So, and from all accounts, a really good person playing up until the end. I know people who played with him. So he passed away recently. He had been sick for a while. And Tom Seaver, Tom Terrific. Wow. If you're an, if you're a sports Ooh. fan, and he was an international, but my very first baseball game, my dad took me. It was a Mets game because we lived near Queens. My father could care less about sports. He took his little sports-loving daughter um, to a, a Mets night game. Tom Seaver was pitching. I mean, he was just a class act, an amazing pitcher. I mean, they called him the franchise, right, with and, the Mets. Yes. And, and New York loved, loved him. him. Loved him. him. Never hint of scandal. And no. Not that, we, not that we have any problem with scandal. Shout out to Dwight Gooden. But um, <laughs> but he was just a great guy. And he was Tom Terrific, an amazing athlete. Not Again, not an old guy. He also passed from, uh, it doesn't matter what he died of. He passed away. And so that was sad because, you know, these are, it's our childhood, you know. It's yeah. our childhood. And so, not to be morbid, but those two people, you know. And the Mets did a tribute. They did a Dirty Knees tribute to him Aww. the other day. I wish somebody would do a Dirty Knees tribute for me, but it may be in a little bit of a different sense. But yeah, that's you're gonna have to, we're going to have to wait until the clubs open up again. <laughs> I don't think you want somebody blowing you on 125th Street. Or maybe you do. I, I don't mean, know how you this, roll. I mean, this has been a COVID sexless summer. At this point, I'm yeah. like, hi, homeless. I have a shower. Can I tell you something? There's I have an razor. <laughs> one of the good advantages of being a, an old woman such as myself is that mm -hmm. there's a downside to menopause, but there is an upside. <laughs> <laughs> and the upside to menopause is, well, it's a downside and an upside, but you kind of don't give a damn anymore. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. Oh, can I really quickly talk? Uh, speaking of women and sex, yeah, and yeah. I want to quickly, because sure. quickly, I discovered this show on Netflix called Rita. Uh -huh. And it's, because it, you know, I'm not reading for some reason, so I've decided to just only watch television with subtitles. <laughs> Whee! I'm reading. No, and it came up in my Netflix trending now. And, Courtney, you know what a trend whore I am. I'm right. like, trending? I must be part of this. It's just a really cool show. It's Danish. It was huge in Denmark. It stars this woman character who's, like, really good looking. Like, I want to look like her. All women will want to look like her. She's really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's just about being a mom and being, like, an irresponsible mom, which I can relate to. Um and being sexy and being a professor. It's just a really good show. I'm into season two. It's only eight episodes. It's a good look at Danish life, too. A lot of bicycles, a lot of socialism. Everybody seems to be happy. But anyway, it's a cool show. And great cool furniture. <laughs> oh, very good furniture. Yes, yes. Very designed. But anyway, it's just a cool show. So um, I, I recommend that. Um, anything you're watching that's of interest? No, but I will say, oh, well, I shouldn't say no. I'm so so happy that the U.S. Open is on. Like, give me oh, some sports yeah. and basketball. On? So, okay. Serena, like, you know, Venus is already out because, you know, that's what happens. But yeah. Serena, you know, Serena's still in there. She, she made it through her. her. She, won, she won her match last night, so that makes oh, me happy. And, you know, basketball, I'm really into to my sports. And, my, you know, my favorite, football starts in six days. So, how are they going to do that? How are they going to do – I know basketball has the make-believe fans, and I'm assuming the yeah. Open doesn't have anybody. Or no, just... the, open, the Open doesn't have any fans. I Football keeps some of them the same. Some, some stadiums are saying they're not having any fans, okay. and some stadiums are saying we are going to have some fans. Are so, they doing the bubble? Because that's how the NBA no, got it together. This, they did that, that bubble the NBA, thing. The NBA did the bubble, and the NHL did the bubble. They're all up in Toronto. Baseball's right. not doing the bubble. We kept seeing a lot of people testing right. positive. And yeah. football's not doing a bubble. So let's, we won't know until, because we didn't get any preseason games. So we actually okay. don't know. We will see when they start. And I've, I've just been listening to a lot of music. There's some great albums that came out in the last week. Like Gregory Porter's All Rise is fabulous. T.U.R. Savage's Celia is fabulous. Aluna's Renaissance is amazing. Tony Braxton's Spell My Name is dope. I am loving the disc 
Disclosure Energy album, and I've been just bopping around my apartment to Club Future Nostalgia, the remix album from Dua Lipa. Like, there's just some really good shit going on. I'm trying to to imagine the – I just thought about it. I'm trying to imagine the U.S. Open without the crowd because the crowd is so much a part. Oh, the crowd is complete. That's why, you know, Coco Golf lost in the first round. Yeah, because that crowd is New York. And that crowd last year – really helped her get through and even she yeah. like, even the commentators when they were talking was saying she's there were a couple of times she could have won that match that maybe she needed that crowd because you know when they rally right. behind you especially that new york crowd i go yeah. to the open every year so it's really i hate you How do you yeah. Uh, oh yeah i go to the open every year i go i usually go twice this is how we usually go because uh, uh, my friend Keisha, shout out to Keisha. She has a great uh, uh, company called Shop, and she um, she's a personal chef, and she also does a lot of food shows and all of that stuff. So every year at the beginning, she gets invited to the food tasting. You know, they have all of the major chefs that create the menus. So we right. go, we meet the chefs, and then we get to eat all of the food that they're going to be serving at the open. Oh so that's goodness. usually during the qualifiers. We go do that, and you'll see different people practicing. Then I usually go again and go see a match. So... I'm really, you know, it's upsetting to not have that experience because I actually, it, I look forward to that time in New York being on the grounds of the Billie Jean King Tennis Center. It's so much fun and energy. But, you know, like I said, we all have to adjust. It's different this year, and they're open to be there next year, and I'll be there next year with bells on. And I, this, this is what I said to everyone, and I'm going to say this to everybody listening. I'm going to say it to you. These times are really, really difficult, and it's very stressful. But I'm looking forward to the celebrations when we are all past this, because I think people are just going to, we're going to, it's it's going to be amazing. Because when we come out the other side, I just think the appreciation for surviving it all is going to be like, I can't wait for that first time to be able to be with a bunch of people communal and just dance and laugh, because I think we are all going to just feel like throwing our wigs in the air and spinning around until we can't spin anymore, you know? I I would like to, first off, I just found the guy's name, the novelist. Okay, what is it? H.G. Carrillo. That was it. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Greg Tate. He just posted about it on Facebook. Um, And what I was going to say about coming up, yeah, that part of it, of course, being able to, hug your friends and stuff, but I hope, and I think, I not to get all heavy, but I hope one of the things that we do come out of it is an appreciation of essential workers, an appreciation yeah. of the of the economic disparity in this country, just an appreciation of it. I think we all know it intellectually, but to, you know, to see it. So, yes, I miss my friends. I'd like to be able to just pop by somebody's house without a freaking mask on, you know. I'm but tipping I everybody hope- this year, tipping my mailman, tipping the super, tipping my girls in my supermarket who were there all through this pandemic when it was really crazy. And I know that they were scared in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know sure. what I mean? But they were there every day dealing with all of us online and all of that shit. I think we have to appreciate, you know, I know you, you have your concierge downstairs who were like Concierge? <laughs> Excuse me, it's called the super. <laughs> Don't get all high. I'm talking about your, your do- I'm talking about your door guys. Concierge. If I were to ask those guys anything, I mean, they're lovely concierge. All right. I will say when I came to drop off the mic. Concierge. I came to the desk to drop I was like, I need to drop this off. And maybe he put, put it on that desk over there. Yeah. Well, that's our cootie desk. Everything has cooties now. No, we set that up for COVID. We don't normally do that. That's the you have cooties desk. All the, all the people with potential cooties goes over there. Yeah. Right. It was like, no, 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 no. If I could, If I could get on a train and put on a mask, I'd slap you. <laughs> Never use words you can't spell or I can't spell. Spell concierge right now. Um, exactly. Me neither. <laughs> there's an E in there somewhere. How about this? It's eleven eleven. Make yes. a wish. We love you. Thank Bye. you guys for following us. Here's the thing. Let's, 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 hold on. We got to tell them where to find us. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and Remember, happy Labor Day. Oh, that, oh my God. It's so, it's like, yeah, I this know. whole summer. <laughs> it's like, I want to redo. I want to do over. I know. What, right as you said that, that just felt like a gut punch. I'm like, Oh my God! It's Labor Day. No West Indian Day parade. 
No West Indian, nothing. Well, that's another episode. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can always follow us at on Twitter at Finish Ima, on Facebook at I'ma Let You Finish, and on Instagram at I'ma Let You Finish NY. Anything else you want to say, Ames? Um, no. Um, as we said, have a happy Labor Day, whatever the hell that means when nobody's working and summer has been like a do-over. Stay safe, obviously. For those of you who are going back to school. Good luck for those of you who are teaching. We salute you. And uh, that's about it. Salute. And remember, have a water icy on us. Later, kids. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.